the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, April the 5th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1614, Pocahontas married English colonist John Rolfe. Today in 1621, the Mayflower sailed from Plymouth Colony in present-day Massachusetts, took a month-long return to England, left the, the New World. Today in 1792, President George Washington cast his first veto, rejecting a congressional measure for apportioning representatives among the states. He said, no, that's not a good idea. Today in 1887 in Alabama, teacher Ann Sullivan achieved a breakthrough as her six-year-old deaf-blind pupil Helen Keller learned the meaning of the word water as it was spelled out in what they then called the manual alphabet. Today in 1951, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were sentenced to death following their conviction in New York on charges of conspiring to commit espionage for the Soviet Union, Russia. Today in 1955, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill resigned his office for health reasons. Today in 1976, reclusive billionaire Howard Hughes died in Houston. He was 70 years old. Boy, his life was a, was a train wreck, wasn't it? Today in 1987, Fox Broadcasting Company made its primetime TV debut. Now, that's not, the, uh, that's not the news channel. This is the other one, like Q13 in Seattle, the, the regular Fox stations. This is not the news channel. Anyway, they started today in 1987. 87. I got this note on Friday from someone along with a contribution, online contribution. It said, Gary, I really enjoyed what you wrote on Good Friday. In this world of increasing turmoil and the world's open celebration of evil, it really helped me pull back into perspective and see it's all in his hands, his control, his will, his timing. Thank you for what you do. Well, thank you for your contribution, and thank you for your support. David Limbaugh wrote this morning, he said, as we survey our rotting culture and political landscape, it's tempting. David Limbaugh is the late Rush Limbaugh's brother. He's a lawyer, deeply committed Christian. He has not had the spiritual ups and downs that Rush Limbaugh had in his life, and he talked about it openly. David has been a solid Christian, living his life for the Lord for many years, and his work and his writing underscore that. But he said this morning, as we survey our rotting culture and political landscape, it's tempting from a worldly perspective to lose hope for our way of life in our nation. As Christians, we have a greater hope, one that transcends these worldly problems. We must always train our focus on Jesus Christ. 
But let's not in the meantime abandon our earthly duties, our responsibilities to family, friends, country, and values. He's absolutely right. Two and a half billion people celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ yesterday around the world. While St. Peter's Basilica only allowed 200 people to be seated where normally thousands would gather, the largest Protestant church in the world in Seoul, South Korea, under mandate by the government, could only seat 2,000 in their sanctuary, which normally seats a little over 10,000 people in each of its 12 to 14 services. Having preached in that church myself a couple of dozen times at least over the years, I can't even imagine... I can't even imagine what it would feel like. I've never been in that church when it wasn't packed to capacity. Not because I was there. It was always packed. Every service. But it was more empty than full. Largest Protestant church in the world yesterday because of government restriction. And they do so to help us to save our lives. In Canada pastor ordered the police to leave the church building. He said, get out, out. (laughs) After returning, he said, don't come back till you have a search warrant. In fact, I wrote an article today, faithandfreedom.us, our website. And in that, I talked about what I'm talking about now, but I also included the video of that scene. I I should not enjoy it as much as I do, but I kind of do. I'm a great supporter of, of law and law enforcement and the officers who do so, whether it's in Canada or the United States, God bless them. But these guys probably didn't want to be in this church. They probably wanted to be somewhere else doing something else at that moment. You just got that feeling. I mean, I don't know for sure. I didn't talk to them, but you just I just got the feeling that they were thinking, man, I wish I was out stopping somebody for speeding or something. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. But anyway, they were sent to this church to, to you know, take some people out of there. There were too many people in this sanctuary. Not a large church, but it looked like maybe, I don't know, two or three hundred people. But um, they, they came in, and this pastor is Polish. I'll come back to this in a moment. But he knows what it was like in Poland under the communist regime under the Soviet thumb. And so do I, because I, were, I was with some of those pastors, not him. I didn't recognize him, but I, know, I knew some of the pastors in Poland. And they, I ministered with them and were working. I worked with them and helped. We started some churches and stuff. And men, I mean, the Soviets were all over the church back in the, in the 1970s and all over me when I was there. So I remember it very clearly. So anyway, this guy was coming from there, this pastor, and with his very, you know, kind of very pronounced uh, Polish accent in English, he told him to get out. He said, out, out, get out of here. Don't come back till you have a, have a warrant. And I included that video in what I wrote today. If you don't do anything else today, take a look at that. I don't, I don't know. I, I should not enjoy that. I know I shouldn't, but I kind of did. Um, anyway, you can look at it. But there's no question. There's no question. That there is great um, pressure against serving God and, and, and infusing our culture and our institutions with the values and the principles and the truth of God's word. 
we've got to guard against making politics and patriotism our idols. We don't have to accept the notion that worshiping God requires neglecting what is true and great and good in our earthly lives. A spiritual war is raging before our very eyes, and we must suit up against it, unless our lives on this side of eternity are utterly pointless. Is it that we just accept Christ, get saved, and then sit back and wait for eternity? I don't think so. That's not what the Bible says. I'll never believe that God placed us on this earth to be indifferent to life here in surrender, the reins to the forces of evil, because a better world awaits us. So we're going to go. I've heard this as a pastor throughout my life of ministry. I've heard people say, well, I'm, I know I'm going to heaven. My, you know, my salvation is sealed and so on and so forth. And I, I just, yeah, I don't want to get involved in all that stuff. Politics are dirty. Our founding fathers didn't believe that, neither did the followers of Jesus Christ, because they heard him with their own ears, the disciples, tell them to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He also heard them, heard, they also heard Jesus tell them that they are, not that they would become, but that they are salt and light in a dark, horrible, rotty culture. And that's where we live today, to properly and competently fight for our values. We must do more than just mouth the observation that we're in a spiritual war. It's one thing to talk about what's going wrong in our nation. It's quite another thing to do something about it. We've got to embrace it in our very souls because it's as a concrete reality as we can verify humanly. We must embrace it because we're going to need godly courage to face the whirlwind forces of evil and truth and untruth that are possessed in our culture. They've brainwashed half the nation that threatened to finally destroy America as we know it and love it. It was founded a land of unsurpassed religious and political liberty. We didn't see that on this Easter. What we saw was a risen Christ, praise the Lord. And around the world we worshiped and we sang six, eight, ten feet away from one another. The church in Seoul, in Yoido, on the island there in downtown Seoul, Korea. 10,000 seats, 2,000 people because of government regulation. Because the government is here to help us. Warriors of evil are cleverly disguising as warriors for truth and justice and harmony and love. Their immoral causes are masked as noble. They stir unrest and provoke disharmony in our society in the name of peace and unity. They actively sour race and gender relations while pretending to heal us. They promote hate in the cause of eradicating it, and they silence and surpass all of the opposing views and unwoke behavior in their minds, in their self-appointed yet deceitful role as guardians of this enlightened culture. The prevailing narrative today spewing from our toxic cultural spigots is that America is systemically racist, that the concept of racial colorblindness that Dr. Martin Luther King envisioned in his speech and his speeches and his ministry, they now envision that as a tool to further 
white supremacy, that all members of certain races are irredeemably racist, irrespective of their individual hearts and their conduct conveniently. The proposed solution for these problems are perpetual, unquenchable acts of atonement, radical redistributions of wealth through a transformation of our capitalistic system, and ultimately, ultimately, ultimate destruction of the other people, whoever the other people may be. That's the kind of a convoluted, complex culture that we live in today. Isn't it sobering and kind of surreal that we have a, even have a debate over the fact that we have a right or a duty to protect our borders against the invasion of migrants and traffickers and cartels and people who have been convicted in third world countries for criminal acts? We have powerful people arguing that the border enforcement officials and the police need to be defunded. Meanwhile, our political class has become the chief enemy of fiscal sanity and economic reality. Washington menaces are proposing multi-trillion dollar programs with monopoly money. They're just printing it. Ocasio-Cortez is out there this morning telling President Biden that his $2 trillion or $3 trillion, whatever it is, to, for infrastructure is way too small. She says this morning, and the press is reporting her breathlessly, that it should be $10 trillion. Ah, who cares? The presses are running. $2 trillion, $10 trillion, nobody cares. Just print it. We're going to do this. And most of it won't even go <laughs> to fix the infrastructure. And we all know that. In the midst of all of this, and then this guy, this rapper, comes out last week with these tennis shoes that Nike is suing him now. They say he's, he stole their likeness. Well, I would say so. It looks just like a Nike shoe with a swoosh on it. Even put the kind of a swoosh thing on there. I'm not a big fan of Nike and what they believe. I think their sneakers are pretty good. I don't sneak around much anymore, so I don't wear them much. But, I mean, they're pretty good shoes. But they're suing this guy because they say he infringed on their property. I would say so, too. I mean, in, in truth. But in the in the shoe, it's called the Satan shoe. It has the the pentagram and all this kind of stuff on there. And he only made so many, I don't know, a thousand pairs of them or something. He's a rapper guy. I can't remember his name. Something X. Uh, but anyway, they sold out in just minutes. I mean, like minutes once they were for sale online. And in the sole of the shoe is infused human blood. And that's what really made them appealing. And they sold out, as I said, just in minutes. We live in a, such a confused and, 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 and dark and, and horrible satanic uh, forces in our culture today. And yet our governments around the world are seizing the moment to save our lives while they shut down the only answer to the culture. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is calling out what's happening in our culture today from a biblical point of view. I would say let us worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but let's not abdicate our duty to fight those who are trying to usher in hell on earth. 
because the people that say they are the champions of the of the of the culture and of the people are working in harmony and and I'm not suggesting they know this but they're working in harmony with the devil's plans and Satan's unquenchable thirst to prevail against the church of Jesus Christ well I'm encouraging you to do something about it today and let me tell you what I'm going to do about it. Let me share some a personal note with you today. And if you just tuned into this program perhaps for the first time and we have a growing audience, I that's verified often and always. So if you're just listening to this program, you're probably trying to figure out who is this guy and I'm just about to take you to the next level here. But to all of you who listen to this program and support it, let me uh, just be, well, straight talk. Let me just be very frank with you. A while back, the Lord, about the beginning of this year, around January-ish, the Lord really began to put it on my heart, maybe February, I can't remember, but really put it on my heart to expand the ministry. I didn't say anything about it because I'm not 25 years old looking for a lifetime career. And um, I thought, well, you know, I'll pray about it. Lord, you'll have to really affirm it to me in in several ways. And uh, yet our audiences are growing. And to all of you, thank you for listening. I know that it's it's the Lord, and I, I say this humbly, but in some cases I've been told that this program, this half hour that is on, is the highest rated program in that market and that means including the secular programs that are on at that time of day we originate at nine o'clock in the morning live and then some of you hear this program a little bit delayed an hour or two or so but it's very current and God has helped us and God put this in my heart and I have a burning desire to do what we do for those reasons for the glory of God, for no other reason. So I was thinking about it, and I thought, man, you know, we, we, this program pretty much covers Washington State now, certainly, and thank God for ACN and Tom Reed. Um, man. But now we're on in Seattle, and those of you in Seattle have begun to support us. <clears throat> we're making it. I don't want to say we have lots of money in Seattle because they might raise the cost of the year. No, but you are standing with us, and we're making it each month, and I want to thank you for that in Seattle. Generally in the marketplace of Christian radio, it is well known that it takes about three years for a radio program to break even in a new market or a new city. <clears throat> that has not been our experience the Lord has blessed us and helped us through generous people like many of you that are listening. And uh, it's taken considerably less time than that. And we're so grateful. I'm humbled. I was thinking about the southwest corner of Washington State. We don't, we, we don't have a voice there. And I've been looking around, actually, at radio stations in Clark County and Lewis County and up in that area because Seattle station that we're on um, – the, the Salem station in Seattle, some of you are listening as I speak on that station, it reaches 
quite a big area of Puget Sound, but it doesn't reach all of the state southward. So anyway, we became aware just a couple of weeks ago of a Portland of the Portland station, which I was aware of certainly KPDQ FM. But we became aware that there was a time slot available there, and I had not thought of that station in regards to covering the balance of the state of Washington. I did feel very strongly about that about covering the rest of Washington State. There has been a time slot come available there. I prayed about it. We do not have the money. It's expensive. These large markets, Christian radio, uh, is very expensive, and and it needs to be. Their costs are, are great and so on. But anyway, um, I've signed a contract to start on KPDQ in Portland for those reasons. That will give us the southwest corner of Washington State, Clark County, which is a growing dynamic county, as you know, and it will give us the Portland metro area, and they have some translators out on the coast and in Hood River, Oregon. And uh, so we're going to expand the ministry. Well, when are you going to start, Gary, next year? No, next Monday. <clears throat> no, we don't have the money. I'm not reckless. I don't live in denial, and all of our bills are paid on time. You could ask our creditors. I believe this is what God wants me to do. And this was further affirmed by a note and a check that I got just a while back. It's from a couple that has regularly supported this ministry for um, almost since the beginning. I can't remember, and I don't know that I've ever met these two super people uh, in person, along with some of you others who support this ministry so strongly and so regularly. But Every month we get a check from this couple for several hundred dollars a month. And there's always a note included, a scripture verse and, and, you know, keep up the good work kind of thing. Well, I got this regularly, as they always do every month. The verse they sent was, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And then there was this note, Pastor Gary just thought you could use a little extra this month, especially if you are thinking about expanding your ministry. Well, I hadn't talked about expanding the ministry, but God was speaking to my heart. So rather than sending the check they normally sent and send every month of several hundred dollars, they sent this check for $4,350 to help if we're going to be expanding the ministry. I had to believe that God had spoken to their heart about that because I know that they're godly people and they listen to the Lord. They wanted what I wanted because I felt that God wanted and we hadn't even discussed it. So I'm asking you to perfectly consider if you should help. And some of you are doing everything you can to keep our support strong and to keep us on the air. And I understand that. And thank you. Thank you to those who send $5 or 50 or 500, whatever it is, whatever you can do. It's just you and me working for the Lord. And you're as much a part of this ministry as I am. Really, you are. I'm the voice and I understand that. But you are the platform on which I'm standing to put this voice out there. 
And I am fully aware, and I say it, and people even kid me about it, but if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. I believe that with all my heart. I mean, God would supply, but he has supplied you and me to do this. So I'm asking you to prayerfully consider as we start next Monday, a week from today, on this new station. It's not a small thing. I need $30,000, except I don't need that much now. I need 25650 because these folks, without even being asked, sent 4350 So that's what we need to launch this. Is that a full year? No, it's not. But it helps launch us for a few months. It's about a half a year. So I'm asking you to stand with us. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider it. If God tells you, no, you, you don't need to do that, then don't. I understand that. I wouldn't want you to do it. But if the Lord speaks to your heart and whatever you're able to do, I know some of you could write the check. When we started in the Seattle station uh, just about a little over a year ago, there was a person in Bellevue, a businessman, and I have known him for some time. But he underwrote the first half the year. He wrote a check for it, one person. We don't have, as far as I know, one person standing by to help us with this. If we do, I don't know who they are. But I do know this is what the Lord wants me to do, so we're doing it. And I'm not going to be talking about this on and on, endlessly and endlessly. We're going to be talking about what we talk about on this program, because as I've said this morning, we're going to worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we're not going to abdicate our duty to be a voice for righteousness and for godliness and from a, for a biblical worldview in this culture. As long as God allows me to turn on this microphone, we're going to continue to do what God has called me to do. Someday we won't be, but it's not now. And I can tell you, I feel burning in my spirit, in my depth of my soul. This is what God has called me to do. We've done a lot of things in our life. God has blessed our efforts. I don't even know why sometimes. I mean... Why would he use me, of all people? But he has in in some ways. But I have never felt more strongly or more in step with anything we've ever done. And I've always felt like God wanted me to do it right. I wouldn't do it. But never more so than right now, at this point in my life and this point in our culture. So much hangs in the balance. I'm not suggesting that I'm the answer to the problems in our culture, but I am suggesting that our message is what God has said will solve all the problems that we experience today. So I will leave you with that to consider it, prayerfully consider it, please, because we don't have the money and I have signed the contract, and not recklessly so, but I feel deeply that that's what God wanted me to do. So I leave it with you and with the Lord. I'll mention it a couple of times this week, and then we'll just ask people to support us as we normally do. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I just am trusting the Lord that he'll speak to other people as he has spoken to my heart. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Most news organizations reported this morning and even last night 
from Protestant churches in South Korea, I'm quoting the main story that I saw, to St. Peter's Basilica. Worshippers were not allowed to attend. Well, I'll tell you, the kingdom of God is strong, and we are in his hands.